Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Our Gospel lesson for this week comes from John, the third chapter. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not yet believed in the name of the only, the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Here ends our gospel reading. Please be seated. Well, I don't know about you guys, but every year this spring forward business leaves me a little <laughs> beleaguered rolling into church. I, uh, my sleep data on my watch said I only got two hours of sleep last night. I'm estimating it was more like four, and this got it wrong, but still. <laughs> Somebody, a uh, guy I know from seminary posted this summer or this morning that um, daylight savings time is a ploy to attack the church. I'm, a, I'm agreeing with him this morning. <laughs> well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our readings today are composed of miracles and metaphors. A miracle, of course, is an act which defies expectations of the laws of physics and the natural order of things. Our experience of the world tells us that a meal for one person can, at most, be spread out between a few people. But when Jesus made one meal into enough to feed thousands, that defied the people's expectations of what was possible. It was miraculous. Metaphor, on the other hand, is a symbol, experience, or story that is used to point to something else. The Holy Spirit descended, uh, descending on Jesus like a dove, for instance, is a metaphor for what the Holy Spirit appeared as at Jesus' baptism. The text did not say that the Holy Spirit was a dove, but that it appeared like a dove, a metaphor. In our Old Testament reading, we have a story of the miraculous. Now, we may not recognize it at first glance, but there are actually two miracles here. 
the first one being significantly more disturbing than the second. The first miracle is when the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the Israelites to punish them for complaining about the Lord's limited, though reliable, provisions as they wandered through the desert. All they had to survive on was manna, a flaky bread-like substance of some sort that never seems to have appeared before or since the Israelites ate it for almost 40 years straight in the wilderness. Uh, Manna and then quail meat as well. There was little variety for God's chosen people until they were able to plant and harvest on their uh, harvest their own food in the promised land. So, they whined. They whined and moaned about their steady subsistence, thinking that they were entitled to more. And God responded by defying the natural order of things and sending a horde of poisonous snakes upon their camps to bite them and infect them with fateful poisons. It is easy to overlook the fact that the Lord's miracles in the Bible often serve to harm, punish, and correct as much as benefit the people. Yet, after enduring such punishment, the Israelites relented and said to Moses, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. They recognized their sin and that they were being punished for it. And God responded with another miracle. He commanded Moses to make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole and lift it up for all the people to see. Anyone who gazed upon this emblem of healing would receive a sort of divine anti-venom miracle and be released from the grasp of the poisons. God punished them in miraculous ways and then healed the people in miraculous ways as well. And then, hundreds of years later, far from the Arabian desert, A Pharisee named Nicodemus snuck out to speak with Jesus in the middle of the night in Jerusalem, capital city city in the Promised Land. Nicodemus came seeking understanding about who this man was who had just flipped over the tables in the temple. He was given a sermon in which the miracle of the bronze serpent was turned into a metaphor a metaphor of salvation. That ancient metal snake on a pole signified more than the healing for a bunch of desert nomads, a bunch of whiny desert nomads, we should point out, dealing with unexpected snake bites. It now became, it now was referenced by Jesus as a symbol of salvation for the whole world, for all time. Like the miracle of of venom healing that was bestowed upon those who looked at the symbol of the bronze serpent on a pole. The cross. The cross carrying the Son of God from life to death to resurrection. 
would now be a symbol of salvation and redemption for all who looked upon it with eyes of faith. The bronze pole moved beyond the miraculous to the metaphorical. No longer would it be limited to serving as a symbol for only those fighting with poison in their veins on the outskirts of Edom thousands of years ago. The image of the serpent on a pole would now be, a, be transformed through Jesus' death and resurrection on a cross. For the miraculous, eternal healing that only God can give. Like the bronze serpent, the Son of Man was also lifted up so that those of us who trust in his sacrifice might be healed from our own sin and brokenness as well. Just as those who looked upon the serpent were healed from other serpents, those of us who look upon the death of our Savior with hopeful and faithful eyes can be saved from our deaths as well. It was a year ago, this Sunday, that we had our last worship service before joining others across the nation and across the world and shutting down for our public ministry activities to slow the spread of the novel coronavirus. I had the unenviable task, truly unenviable task, of shutting down our in-person worship services for the first time, at least first time that I know of, in our congregation's long history. Like snakes slithering through the Israelite camp, this sneaky little virus was spreading in stealthy and deadly ways all across the globe. Perhaps God sent this virus to punish the world. Perhaps this has all occurred for some other purpose. I'm still discerning what God might be trying to teach us through all of this. Yet, thanks to the miracle of modern medicine, here we are a year out with many of our people already vaccinated from this pestilence. I mean, most vaccines take a minimum of eight years to develop. For instance, by reference, uh, the 1918 flu, uh, there wasn't a vaccine for it until the 80s. So a year by, less than a year by comparison is pretty good. You know? <clears throat> like the bronze serpent on a pole, created and lofted up for the people's healing. We've been given the Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson vaccines to keep people from being added to the over half a million people who've died from this bug already. It's incredible, really, when we step back and assess everything that has happened since this week a year ago in March. Our expectations of the natural order of things have been shaken, defied, and disrupted. And yet here we still are, trying to figure out our life together anew. Now, after having lived through so many painful and frustrating realities for so long, I imagine new metaphors will begin to emerge. 
I've already heard people joke that the metaphor, avoid it like the plague, <laughs> should be retired. <laughs> Since many of us seem to actively desire to just get COVID-19 and get it out of the way. Right? I imagine new metaphors about quarantines, online meetings, and lockdowns will lead us to think differently about the world for years to come. I can now already envision Jesus saying to us, and just as you survived 2020, so too will you survive the slings and arrows that the world has in store for you. I'm sure metaphors like these will be helpful one day, but I for one think I need a little more time before I start using them. Still, though this has been a monster of a year, the greatest metaphor of our redemption remains unchanged. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Throughout all of this, Everything we have endured together, the cross of Christ has remained the greatest metaphor of all time. A symbol of our eternal healing. The cross reminds us that the greatest healing we will ever experience is yet to come. And that the trials and tribulations we face in this life are but momentary and fleeting when compared with the eternal life that God has in store. There are many things in life that bring pain and sorrow, but the cross of Christ remains us, reminds us that these pains and sorrows will be taken from us. More than that, so much more than that, the cross is a reminder that we are loved. God did all of this because God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. The cross is not only a metaphor for life, healing, and redemption. It is also a symbol of the greatest love that the world has ever and will ever know. I pray, as you look to the cross today, that you will know truly and deeply that you are loved beyond compare by a God who will save you from the clutches of death itself. And that that same God will bring you into the miraculous, eternal healing that can never be disrupted by disease and cannot be shut down. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website 
at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.